Well, we're digging in. On Wednesday nights, a little bit different type of Bible study, and I hope that uh, this is challenging you and maybe changing the way you kind of spend time with God. That's the point. This is not teaching you how to do Bible study as much as it's hopefully teaching us how to engage with God as he sends us his love message through his word and how we learn to dialogue back with God through that. So there are three P's that we're working off of. We're working on this first one, and that magnifying glass is a picture of taking our time and really digging in as you're reading Scripture. Don't just read a chapter a day and check a box and say, well, I read the Bible today. If you didn't spend time digging out what God is trying to communicate there, you missed it. God didn't call us to read the book. He called the book to be in us and to change and transform our lives, renewing our minds. And so we're trying to slow down to engage with God through his holy word. So the first P is to ponder. You know, the second one is, after we've spent time pondering, that we would then take what we see in that and turn it into a picture, just how we anchor it to our heart. As I've told you before, Jesus often taught through pictures. And, and there are truths today that we still cling to that uh, are always with us because we can always anchor them in that picture. Jesus taught many different parables. Uh, we looked at last week, he talked about the vine and the branches, and what a vivid picture that is, that if I unplug from the life source, just like if you rip a branch off of a tree, God forbid any snow do that to your trees when you get home tonight through tomorrow, but if that were to happen, that branch is going to dry up and lose the ability to produce fruit. It's got to stay connected to the vine. That's a picture the Lord gave us. So as we ponder on verses and truths, we'll look at certain things that jump out. Remember, you're acting like a private eye with that magnifying glass, looking at all the clues. Not that it's a crime scene, but this scriptural scene of what God wants you to see. Turn it into a picture, and then out of that, we dialogue back to God. I think many of us were discipled or taught that spending time in God's Word, you start with a prayer, you read the Bible, and you end with a prayer you can do that. There's no magic formula. There's no thus saith the Lord. But, but I'm learning more and more to engage with God through the word as an ongoing conversation. Uh, that God is speaking through every verse, not just through a chapter. That God is always speaking and showing me different things. As I'm pondering those truths, I then communicate back to God in the form of prayer over those truths. So just like tonight, as you've been sitting around your table, I pray You've not just been feeding your mouth and just pumping in the groceries, but you've spent time dialoguing across the table, back and forth, and throughout the entire meal. Well, that's kind of what a time with God should look like. So tonight, we're going to be in Ephesians, and here we go. We're going to start investigating what does God want to say to you and to us this evening. We're in Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to take you to verses 1 through 3 tonight. We're going to get really out there and go beyond two verses tonight. To three verses. Take a look at these three verses. What you're going to do is you're going to look at this by yourself as an individual first. You're going to break out your magnifying glass, look at things, circle key words, underline key phrases, mark stuff up. You can write in your Bible. God will love it, I promise. He just wants to know that you're in the Word. Um, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. Now, quite frankly, 
this first part of chapter 3, there's a lot of Pauline, uh, what would I call it, uh, expansion of theological terms and, and, and some lofty talk at first. But when you dig into some of this, you'll find some neat nuggets of truth. So take the next three minutes. If you're online, do the same thing. Open your Bible, work through these three verses, put your magnifying glass on it, mark it up, and we'll come back and share at our tables in about three minutes. I'll tell you when to do that next. Ready? Go. I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to point out a few things. I don't always point out everything, and maybe I'll point out something you've already discussed, but uh, just for the sake of the whole group, a few things to look at. As you jump in into this passage, I hope the word stewardship jumped out at you. What I'm learning to do when I put a magnifying glass on things is I'm looking for unique words, keywords, phrases, connections. Uh, maybe it's a list of things God's pointing out. In this case, a unique word that Paul talks about, his stewardship. Now, I know that's not an unfamiliar term to Baptists. You get hammered about your stewardship all the time. But when you think of the word stewardship, I bet you rarely have thought about it like Paul is speaking of here in this passage. He talks about his stewardship of what? What's the stewardship of? We always tell you it's of your finances, or we might tell you it's of your time, or whatever it might be. Paul understood everything that he was now in Christ Jesus was an issue of stewardship. And how did he ever get to Christ? How did he ever go from a dead life of religion as Saul the Pharisee of Pharisees, to becoming the Apostle Paul. The Bible says, as he would write later in his letters, that we are saved by grace. We come to Christ through grace, the gift of God given to us. And a lot of people look at God's grace and they look at stewardship as two different things than what the Apostle Paul saw. He saw that both go together. That not only did he experience God's grace and was he saved by grace, but now out of that salvation experience, he had a stewardship of that grace. Unfortunately, so many people have experienced God's grace for salvation, and then stewardship has become an issue of what goes in the offering plate. And they miss out on what God has for them in between that, which is a life surrendered to the call of God on their life. That not just the Apostle Paul, but I would say all of us are saved by grace, but also have a stewardship of God's grace. Now, if you dig in on that word stewardship, this is what you would normally hear applied to your finances. And we come to understand it was a stewarding term. It was the managing of someone else's household or someone else's estate. If you remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, he was given a stewardship, okay, as he was there and he took that very seriously and he didn't do it because of the accountability to the homeowner but to the one who owned him he saw it as God's call on his life that's just an example from the Old Testament of stewardship but now we see it in all things because we've experienced God's grace we are called and accountable and responsible for the things of the kingdom we're now a part of God's kingdom, and that is our stewardship, not just to receive grace, not just to have a ticket to heaven, but now to let that be known, God's grace, we're to take that to all people who don't know the king, who don't have that grace. Now, there is another word that pops out here to me, 
And that is the word, I hope you got it as well, the issue of the mystery. Did you talk a little bit about the mystery? Now when you look at that word mystery, it doesn't mean, well let me just show you uh, briefly what it means in the Greek. If you were to look this up in a concordance, uh, mysterion, it means a mystery that is not unknowable. That's a different type of mystery. It was a unique word in the Greek that's used here. When you first read it through a uh, an American perspective, you start to think, well, what does he mean this is a mystery? I mean, he's preaching the gospel, he's making it known. What's this word mystery? Well, it's different than when we think of a mystery. For example, it's a mystery to me. I don't know how people can live through this life without the Lord. I know I did it for 17 years. I remember briefly what that was like, but as I watch people go through the suffering and the grief of this world, it is a mystery to me. I don't understand it, and I will never understand it this side of heaven. What that family went through, losing their 16-year-old son, that's a mystery to me. Now, they have the Lord. That's the beauty of that conversation. And so you can get some understanding there, but still, it's unknown to me. I don't know that. I can't know that. But this is not the same word here. This is giving us understanding that what is considered a mystery to many is known made known to us through revelation it is what people can't perceive or can't understand that god has made knowable all right it is a revealed knowledge let me give you an example of that jesus was spending some time with his disciples and i kind of highlighted this in one of my sermons recently on the god questions when god asked questions and you remember he asked his disciples who do the people say that I am? And they had a response and they said what everybody was saying. Uh, it was a mystery to a lot of people. They were trying to figure out who this Jesus was. They, they weren't sure. Some thought he was this. Some thought he was that. Everybody had their theories, but it was a mystery to them. And then he turned and he said, but who do you say that I am? Peter responded and gave the God answer in that moment. And what he said, Jesus validated as revealed mystery. Listen to what Jesus said to him. He said, Peter, flesh and blood could not have taught that to you. In other words, there are things that we can know. There are things that we can understand. Uh, it was a mystery to me today that Vera was having a birthday until some people informed me. I got the information and now I'm enlightened and this is your birthday as well with Becky's and I'll always put those two things together. That's flesh and blood understanding. But there are some things that you cannot understand, even in this physical realm, no matter if you go to seminaries or churches or wherever it is, it has to be divinely revealed. And that's what's being taught here. So Jesus said to Peter, Peter, the Spirit, only, only the Spirit of God from heaven could have taught you that. That's what we're talking about here is this divine revelation that I was blinded to before Christ the gospel is veiled to those who don't believe we can kind of see it but it's still a mystery this is the veil being removed and I can clearly see all things now with that in mind you didn't study this but go ahead and go uh, in your Bibles take a look at it we don't have to ponder it but verses four and five go on to say this for by referring to this when you read you can understand when you when you read, you can understand my insight in the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was, made, was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his 
holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. Paul continues to say what was blinded to others, even through the Old Testament, their limited understanding of God's grace has now been fully revealed. The mystery is now clear, and God gave that message through the apostles, through the Holy Spirit. The Bible was not written by man. God inspired those men to give you his love letter. It is his revelation to you that you hold in his hands. Does that blow you away, or do you just see it as a book, a holy book? It's more than that. It's God's love letter that he is revealing to you. So next, what I want you to do, it's time. Well, see, I always do that. I ponder. I forget sometimes to even picture. I love getting into the pondering and seeing things jump out. Go back and look at a couple of things in those first three verses. And what is it that jumps out to you that just really spoke to you tonight? Uh, what truth was it that popped there? Was it the stewardship? Maybe tonight God's convicting you and saying, you know what? I've not been a steward of God's grace. I'm not managing that well. I've not shared God's grace with anybody in a long time. And maybe now that picture is you being a steward of this thing called grace, taking that to someone else that doesn't have that grace. Maybe that's your picture. Maybe tonight you focused in on that last part of uh, the revelation or the revealed knowledge of God. And you want to spend some time and say, God, I need you to open up your word to me. I need you to speak to me. And Lord, I don't want to just read words on a page, but God, I want your word to become revealed truth in my life. So God, do that in me right now and let that be your dialogue. Whatever it is, come up with your own picture. And if everybody would take just a moment to bow your heads instead of somebody praying at the table tonight on this one, I'm going to let you pray privately from your heart to God. Just tell him, dialogue back and say, God, I see this in your word and I want to see this happen in my life. Talk to him about it. Share that prayer with him and I'll close us. Lord, tonight when I see Paul's example of stewardship and when I think about Joseph who was called out, anybody could have been picked to be the steward of Potiphar's house, but he was chosen. And God, how he took that responsibility and how he was dedicated to his master and how he did that with all of his heart even when he had temptation in front of him and challenges to uh, take advantage of the situation or to be lazy in his stewardship Lord he was faithful the same as the Apostle Paul Lord I I'm reminded tonight that not only am I a steward of the resources you've entrusted to me but but the very first thing you ever gave me that first gift the gift of your grace God I I pray you forgive me for for not maybe understanding or even thinking about that stewardship on a daily basis. But God, tonight, I, I admit, Lord, that I need to stay more focused on that stewardship and be more obedient to manage your grace, to be able to share that with people who've not been blessed as I have. So God, thank you for showing that to me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You see the dialogue from pondering to picturing to praying. Now, I'm going to have you jump down um, to another part of this third chapter. I want you to go to verses 14 through 16. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. Dig in on those three verses. You've got three minutes, and then I'll have you share it around your table. This is for you alone Break out your magnifier, three minutes, go.
Okay, I see some great, great discussion. I really feel bad interrupting, but for the sake of time, I'm going to jump in. I think you probably have highlighted some of the things I'll point out, but there may be a nugget or two that's still out there for us. That word strengthened jumps out, doesn't it? Isn't that what he was praying for? He said, why would he bow his knees? What does that mean? He was praying for them. How was he praying? One, this teaches you and me how to pray for others, how to pray for your ABF class members, a friend, a spouse, a family member. And he says, I want to pray for you in this way. I want to pray that you would be strengthened with power. Can anybody use some more power tonight? Uh, And I pray you get to keep your power tonight. I hope we don't have any power outages tonight. But uh, way worse, you can have all the power running at your home, but if you don't have it running here in the temple of the Holy Spirit, you're missing out on the glory of the Lord in you. And so Paul was praying for them that they would be stronger. So if we're not careful, we can draw a wrong conclusion. If we're not pondering, we can read through that. And one of the ways we might pray after reading a passage like that, Lord, just strengthen me. You ever prayed that? Lord, I just need more strength. Okay? If we're not careful... We can pray the right words, but pray the wrong thing. Did you know that's possible? To pray the right words or or what look like right words and not be praying for the right thing. So we need to ponder this more. We need to look in some things. So let me take you to what this word actually means in the Greek. It literally means to prevail by God's dominating strength. Uh, That strength is being talked of as a victory strength. It's, it's a prevailing, to prevail over another, the enemy. Did you know that you don't have to be conquered by sin? Do you know that you have a supernatural strength in you, in your inner man? That's what we're going to dig into or some of those things. As you go through there, it says, for the believer, he operates by the Lord's inworking. It's a work of God in me. So my prayer is different. It's not just, Lord, strengthen me, because that's what I used to pray for when I was a little kid. And a lot of you in this audience can remember. Do you remember the comic books? And you remember at the very back, if you sent in your bubblegum wrappers or whatever it was, Charles Atlas would minister to you. Do you remember that? Before the televangelists and the hankies, we used to get Charles Atlas's promises that we could be muscle man. We could be stronger if we just knew his secrets. And I remember when I first became a Christian, I remember thinking, Okay, this is awesome. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. Jesus has saved me. Life is going to be simple now, and this is going to be easy, and I'm never going to struggle with my addictions or my struggles or my uh, passions. And that lasted about 15 minutes. Church was out, and I was heading home on my own, and now it's back to me. And I found the enemy sneaking in, trying to get my flesh to engage, and I found that I was defeated very often early in my Christian age, and still can find myself defeated, even studying it and preaching it for so many years. But Paul said, I'm praying for you, church, not that you'll be defeated, but that you'll experience God's power in you to prevail. That's the kind of strength. So now I'm praying, Lord, I don't pray, make me stronger. Now I'm praying, Lord, come alive in me. Be my strength. Do you see the different prayer there? Lord, be my strength. (laughs) You think there's anything going to take him down? You think there's any sin that he can't defeat in your life or give you victory over? Not a single one. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But if I'm not digging into the unique word that Paul was using there, I may miss some of the depth of the truth that's being presented there. A couple other things that you guys pointed to as well is this power is through his spirit. Now, if you go up to the very top of the verse... 
Paul said that this strength he was praying for, that God would grant that. You can't muster it up, but Paul said that he would grant it. All right? So this strength is something God does. It's some, when, God grant, when somebody grants anything, they are, they are providing that. They're blessing that. They're providing that in your life. And Paul is reminding us that this strength comes from God, so I need to ask God for it, just like Paul was praying. And then it says, how will he answer that prayer? How will, what kind of strength will he give you? According to what? Look at the first part of verse 16. That he would grant according to your willpower, according to your obedience, according to what? The riches of his glory. That's pretty cool stuff. And I'm not sure very many believers tap into that. I'm not sure very many believers even think about that. I don't think there are many that are asking on a daily basis, Lord, man, right now inside of me, Lord, may your glory be unfolded. Lord, may you do a great, strong, powerful work in my life. God, grant it to me today. Do that on a daily basis, and you see what kind of victory the Lord brings, all right? So we've been looking at that word. Let me take you to this word now. Let's take a look at another word he talked about, which was strengthened with power. Okay, so again, that word power is dynamis. Uh, again, we see that throughout the New Testament, that concept. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive dynamis. You'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you think of when you hear that word dynamis? Dyn- <laughs> Dynamite. So I, I know what TV you grew up with. Um, dynamite this dynamite explosive power it's not just a little more strength but it's this it's this picture of dynamite this explosive power all right so we see that well let me take you to another word that he pointed to where is that power that power comes from the holy spirit and what is the holy spirit where does he land that dynamite in the inner man so let's look in on that word inner man And that means applied to a unique internal reality of the redeemed spirit. It's that part of a new person that is created as they're born again. It's that part of you. Now, it's not talking about your inner gut. It's not talking about we talk about Jesus dwells in our heart. And that gets really weird for people because we live in a generation where we actually can see what a blood-pumping organ the heart looks like. We've been awake when they've stuck stuff in that heart. We've uh, been knocked out when they've ripped us apart to get to that heart. And so we think about that and that being our guts and our inner man, and this is not speaking of your internal organs, the inner gut of man. It's speaking of the spirit of you, the inner new man that you became in Christ. So if you have your Bibles... Go over to 2 Corinthians. If you were to have done a word study on inner man, that's a pretty unique phrase. What's he talking about, strength in this inner man? Do I need to be stronger and no longer take those antacids after my Mexican meal? Is that what he's talking about, having more fortitude in your belly? Uh, No, he's not talking about that. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we don't lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, all right, so now we are three-dimension. We are physical, the body. We are mental and emotional, and you can even say that my pastor is mental. We are all mental. That's the soul. 
That's where we find the mind, the will, and the emotions. And then there is the spirit. Before Christ, we're spiritually dead. All we have is the outer man, and we are natural man. In Christ, as Jesus taught Nicodemus, we become a new creature, a new creation. And now inside of me, Christ births the heavenly father, just like my physical father gave me natural life, my heavenly father births me into spiritual life. Now I have this inner man. Yet our inner man is being renewed on Sundays, day after day after day. Now, Christ lives in me, my inner man. I'm a born-again spiritual man now, but does that mean I'm a perfect man? Obviously not. Does that mean I've arrived and figured it all out? Does that mean I won't have any struggles, any setbacks, that I won't battle with my flesh and the spirit? No, that's going to be an everyday reality. But the good news is, while we are decaying, and while we are aging, and while this outer man is crumbling before our eyes, the inner man is growing stronger. The inner man is being renewed day after day after day. So, what do you picture in all that? What's your picture? Uh, for me, I can still see Charles Atlas. I can still see his pose. I can still see it. I want to be stronger in the spirit than he was in the flesh. Uh, that might be my picture that I pray for in just a moment. Um, I might think about this concept of God granting his riches, his glory alive in me and being that richness of God, that power that raised Jesus from the dead. I might talk in, or tap into that picture of the power that is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, I might also take some time and thank the Lord and say, God, I'm thankful. I get it. My outer man is crumbling. It ain't what it used to be. But praise God, my spirit man ain't what it used to be. That Day after day, it's not crumbling. It's getting stronger. God, working me today. And oh, by the way, tomorrow, Lord, I'm going to show up. And God, I pray you do something fresh and new tomorrow. You see how it starts to come alive? And it's a dialogue with God, verse by verse by verse. So find your own picture there. Take the next couple minutes, and I would like for a few of you who feel comfortable around your table to maybe share your picture in the form of a prayer and let somebody else listen in. Sometimes when we're praying with other believers, it helps us to engage in holy conversation with God. It's iron sharpening iron. This is not showing off. This is not us trying to perform around the table and say, okay, I got this. Listen in, boys and girls. And we, but no, this is us as brothers and sisters in Christ communing with God, and we ought to be able to do that together, all right? So bow your heads. If somebody feels led, they can say a short prayer. Don't dominate the table. Somebody else might pop in. You might see a second picture there, and you might pop in a second time. However you feel led to pray, let's have a season of prayer around our tables, and then I'll close us out with some focused prayer right after that. Ready, set, go. Lord, tonight we unite our hearts and Unite our hearts even with the Apostle Paul as he prayed for his brothers and sisters at Ephesus. God, I pray tonight for the brothers and sisters of Putnam City Baptist Church, Lord, that you would strengthen us in the inner man. That you, Holy Spirit, according to your riches and glory, would pour that out in our lives. That we would be a fellowship bigger than a, a, a property or a location on North Rockwell. But God, we would be the body of Christ in this world and Lord, that we would not walk in our own strength, in our own wisdom, our own knowledge, but Lord, we would be filled with you, Holy Spirit. God, that we would be so filled with you that your resurrection power would be flowing from us. That power that gives us victory over the enemy, prevailing power, uh, victorious power. 
And Lord, that that power would be seen in a community that desperately needs a supernatural. God, may we be good stewards of your grace. And this week, may we share that with a world cloaked in darkness. We love you. We look forward to what you're going to do today, tomorrow, and the next days as you continue to strengthen our inner man. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tonight, we've got a few more minutes as you're dismissed. Around your table, there are prayer cards. There are some prayer sheets where some people have asked us to pray for them. If you want to pick one of those out and write a program, you can. Also, you'll see chairs in the back half of the auditorium. Those chairs uh, will actually, same chairs, will be brought around the whole room, around tables for our wild game feast Sunday night. So you can pray for Sunday morning, whoever's going to sit in those chairs, but also pray for God to do something special Sunday night as we pack it out and as we have our wild game feast and present the stewardship of God's grace, all right? Put a hand on a chair, pray over it, pray for somebody next to you in a chair, whatever you got to do, and you are dismissed to prayer.